welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The fundamental difference between Christianity and all other world religions is the fact that the restoration of man's relationship with God is based entirely upon God and not in any way dependent on who we are or what we can do. We cannot get right with God by doing good works of our own, nor by a cooperative effort between ourselves and God. Religions and spiritual philosophies They require us to work at it, to offer something of ourselves. But this is not what the Word of God tells us. No, Christ came to pay our debt when we were bankrupt in our sins. God makes it clear that it is by grace we are saved through faith, simply taking God at His Word. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Gaius Goff takes up the subject of faith the means by which we can avail ourselves of God's wonderful gift of eternal life. But faith in what? And faith in whom? We hope that today's broadcast will help you to understand more fully God's offer of salvation for you. What we're going to be seeking to do here tonight is introduce you to this perfect Savior. There is none can compare with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no name, no person, no power in heaven and earth can compare like Him. He and He alone is the Savior. There is none other. And if you don't have eternal life and if you don't know the Lord Jesus, those are synonymous terms. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So if you don't know Him, You don't have eternal life. But the Bible does tell us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're praying that God will lead you to understand the value of eternal life and the value of the Savior. There is none other. I'm reading a verse tonight in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. I am going to be speaking to you about faith. See, to many people, faith seems like an arbitrary term, and they say, well, you have your faith, and I have my faith, and it really doesn't make any difference what you believe as long as you believe something. And that's a false notion that a lot of people have even about truth. Some say, well, your truth is different than my truth, but as long as we each have our own version of truth, well, we're okay. And then others think that uh, faith is something you have no control over, So you either have it or you don't have it, and there's nothing you can do about it. And if I'm not a Christian, then that's God's fault. That's what some people say. Some people will even contrast science and faith. But faith is really fundamental to science. I read a statement by Albert Einstein, and this is what he said, The belief that the universe of existing things is accessible to human rationality and that the rules valid for it are rational belongs in the domain of religion. 
I cannot imagine a genuine scientist who does not share this deep faith. And when I read that, I thought, hmm, this is what we're involved in, the most wonderful thing in the world going on tonight. 60,000 North American missionaries are in various parts of the world spreading good news of the gospel of the grace of God. However, there's something else going on, and there's a false gospel that's not good news at all, and that's the message that most people in the world believe, and it says that you earn your salvation by good works or deserve it because of good character. And most religions teach this in one way or another. Problem is that even though it seems right, it ends in death and separation from God. Adam and Eve tried it with some leaves. Didn't work for them. Cain tried it with the fruit of the ground, and it didn't work for him. One of the recent presidents of the United States said these words when his number two legal aide died. He said, my deepest hope, that's not the one that's the president now, my deepest hope is that his soul will receive the grace and salvation that his good life and good works earned. That's false. And there's a famous pastor that's known all around the world for emphasizing the power of positive thinking. And he said, and this is a direct quote, just so we think good thoughts and just so we do good, we believe that all will go to heaven. That is false. Read with me in Hebrews 11 and verse 3. Through faith we understand, there's our word, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now that reading simply means we know by faith that what we see has been made by God and by God alone. He's the source of everything. Notice down in verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Would you say that you're a person of faith? Would you say that uh, you're one who knows your sins forgiven? Do you know God? Do you please him? If not then you're in major trouble, and we'd like to try and help you. Because faith is a very reasonable thing. So often people, when they get into uh, their own souls, and they are trying to stir up interest in spiritual things, but salvation by works is so so deeply ingrained in human minds that it's only the Spirit of God that can take that away. People don't like to think they need help. And they don't like to think they need God's grace. And they don't like to think they need God's love. They like to think that they can do it on their own. The Jesus plus fallacy isn't only out there among other religions, but it's now found its way into a lot of Christian family connections. And they think that, well, I've done my part, and they will only say it secretly, so God has to do his part, and he's holding out on me, and so that's the reason I'm not saved. See, the problem is, by nature, people do not like grace. Grace means that there's something that's totally beyond me. I have no ability whatsoever to deal with the problem of sin, and neither have you. You can't pay it away. You can't work it away. You can't do away with it with penance or prayers 
or any provisions that other people might make. Sin is the serious problem that can only be dealt with by someone greater than you and I. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The Bible makes it clear that you and I have and will and forever will, if never accepting God's grace, suffer the wages of sin. And this is one of the most beautiful reasons why we preach the gospel. Because God has stepped in to intervene in this problem of sin. And how he did it is by his great and glorious salvation. Back 2,003 years ago, the Bible lets us know that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And the Bible tells us from the words of the Lord Jesus himself that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And the Bible lets us know that when Christ Jesus came into this world, he came here to save sinners, not people who are righteous, because he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So here you and I are traveling this road of life, and we're brought to the place in our existence where we face up to the fact that I have a problem that I cannot deal with myself. And that's that problem that separates me from God like a dark barrier cloud over me. And there's no way to penetrate that barrier of sin from down here. And that's why God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world that you and I might live through Him. And God's way of salvation is a perfect way. It meets all the requirements that God has set, and at the same time, the requirements of sin have been met by the payment that Christ made when He came here and suffered on the cross for our sins. Christ's work on the cross, Christ's death, when He came here and died upon the cross of Calvary, enabled God to display and exercise His love towards you and I without compromising His justice in one way at all. The Bible makes it clear that the character of God demands, and God hasn't gone soft on sin. I want you to understand that. God still demands payment for sin, and the full payment is separation from God forever. The wages of sin is death. But Christ came. And instead now of demanding some rigid performance of religious duties or a right sacrifice or the right kind of a chant or the right rituals or the right seance or the right kind of an experience, what happened? Christ came. And He came fulfilling every claim that God had against us on the cross just outside of Jerusalem. God laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And what happened there, the Bible says he bore our sins in his body on the tree. And the Bible says he suffered for sins, the just for the unjust to bring us to God. And the Bible says Christ died for our sins. And it's happened. It has already happened. Christ has come. And salvation has been paid for in full by the life of the man of sorrows. Upon the cross, he died. The songwriter said it like this, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, 
I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, My Savior God to thee, how great thou art. It is ungodly people that God saves. And without faith in Him, you'll never please Him. There's no place you can go in this world or no act that you can accomplish or no payment that you can make that will ever please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You and I do not contribute in any way at all to our salvation. It has been paid for. And am I ever glad that it was paid for by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So who do you trust? Where do you put your faith? In Him. The Bible says it like this. There is one mediator, only one, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all. So you need Him. There is no other. The Bible says it again. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says again that He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. That He made one sacrifice for sin forever. He did it all. Now as you travel this course in life, and you come to a place like this where you're confronted with an open Bible, which is God's truth, and a living person, which is our Savior, who died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and was buried, and is now raised again the third day according to the Scriptures, you are faced with a living person who bears in his body the marks of nails where he was crucified on a cross. And he who died for our sins and was buried is now alive forevermore. He's doing fine. Coming back someday soon. And every person that has come to put their faith in Christ alone can be saved and will go with Him. So, how do you trust Him? Christian faith doesn't just mean I believe those facts, but it also goes beyond believing the facts that are written in this book. And it takes us a step further where we trust in a person. Not just in facts, but in a real person. Not only trusting, but the closest word that I can say is we commit ourselves to that person without reservation. Have you ever, up until this time in your life, without reservation, trusted your eternal soul to a living Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever come as a sinner to Jesus personally? Christ is ready and willing and able to save you now, because He does save to the uttermost. Sometimes people try to keep a record of their attempts to get right with God. And some people are afraid to trust Christ alone for salvation. They feel that maybe there's a few other things we can do to make this sure. I had an uncle, my father's younger brother. He was raised listening to the gospel. I mean, his parents were saved before he was ever born. In fact, his grandparents, my great-grandparents were saved. Our people go back a long time. But my uncle came up to his high school years, and he was very respectful. And he came up through high school and very smart, 
went to the university and became a pharmacist. Never got saved. Whenever there was a breaking of bread meeting, he was there. Whenever there was a prayer meeting, he was there. Whenever there was a Bible study, he was there. Whenever preachers came for a series of gospel meetings, he was there. Twenty years. Twenty-five years old. Thirty years old. Not saved. Had one drug store and bought the second. Making good money. The preachers would always drop in to see him. Try to point out how to be saved. And he didn't say much, but in his heart he said, Look, I know all that, so why am I not saved? And one day, somebody passed him a book, history book, about the United States and the Revolutionary War. And in it was a poem by a major named John Andre. And there's nine verses, and I'm not going to read them all to you. I'm going to read the first one, and then I'm going to read one that was very significant to him. Hail, sovereign love, which first began the scheme to rescue fallen man. Hail, matchless, free, eternal grace, which gave my soul a hiding place. Against the God who built the sky, I fought with hands uplifted high, despised the mention of his grace, too proud to seek a hiding place. My uncle sat down in the back of his drugstore behind the counter, and he began to read this poem. He was a wise man, a young man who knew that something was missing there. And he got down to this one. This is the seventh verse of the ninth. On him almighty vengeance fell, which must have sunk a world to hell. He bore it for a sinful race. And the last line says, And thus became my hiding place. And my uncle sitting in this drugstore, he had people working for him. In the other store down the street, people were working there. He sat there and he, he said, Well, now, wait a minute. Who did he bear this for? Almighty vengeance. He said, For me. On him, almighty vengeance fell. And my father's youngest brother, 30 years old, sitting in the back of his drugstore, saw in that poem that he bore it for me. The vengeance of God. He got his eyes off Bible verses onto a person who died and suffered the vengeance of a just God against people without faith. That's why the Bible doesn't say, believe John 3.16. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the person. Get beyond an experience that you're trying to have and come to him on whom almighty vengeance fell. If you had ever been in his drugstores after that, you'd have found that he went down to a beautiful painter and had him paint a, a text, big one, and he had it beautifully framed right up over top of the prescription counter until he died. On him almighty vengeance fell, which must have sunk a world to hell. He bore it for a sinful race and thus became my hiding place. You see, you have to put your faith in that person. And that's why you're not saved. And that's why you will be forever in hell if you're not. The price of sin has been paid, and God is not going to do anything else to add to what Christ has done. Everything is done. Now, what are you going to do with him? So what about you? 
Is your faith in a church, a religious system, or is it even in yourself? Apart from complete reliance upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save your soul, you will be lost. God will not accept any other approach to Him. It is only through Christ that sins can be taken away. We hope that you will turn from any self-effort to get to heaven. Acknowledge your sinnership before a holy God and your complete inability to do anything about it. He has a Savior waiting for you. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.